Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Totally inappropriate desire right now to sing to you, which I know you really don't need. But um, good morning. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. I w- there are hand motions to that. I don't know if you know them. I love to do the hand motions to rise and shine and give God the glory. I hope that you are already smiling and thinking to yourself, you know what? Today is a good day because today is a day the Lord has made. And we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, already uh, folks on the text line. So good morning, good morning, good morning to each and every one of you. You can text me anytime during the show. Uh, 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. Um, a friend in uh, the 612 area code says, good morning. Oh, it's Cheryl. Hey, good morning, Cheryl. I should have read a little further. Cheryl says, uh, thank you for the last segment of your show on Friday. I listened to it last night, and Cheryl probably did that either at MyFaithRadio.com or because she has downloaded the Faith Radio app, and you could be like Cheryl. Text the word APP, A-P-P, to 877-933-2484. Get the Faith Radio app. You can listen to any of our programs anytime. Um, So she listened to Friday's segment uh, last night on probably her Faith Radio app, and and the, and it was a segment on this day and that day. Cheryl says, today, I say goodbye to one of my precious daughters as she begins her college career in Dublin, Ireland. I've been encouraged in the midst of the angst of this process. So thank you. Cheryl, we're going to continue encouraging you on that same exact topic today, this day and that day, when Dave Buring joins us in just a moment. We're going to talk about uh, the seasons of life and... Um, and, and the days in which we live and what God's doing right now um, as he teaches us to number our days. So, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to stick with that theme actually throughout our fall fundraiser, which is coming up next week. I hope you're praying with us in anticipation of the Faith Radio Fall Fundraiser. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year because we get to hear your Faith Radio stories and celebrate what God is doing in and through this ministry and invite you in. Uh, and so if you are new to Faith Radio, the Faith Radio Network. This is listener-supported radio. We absolutely 100% depend on gifts from friends like you. And so um, next week is a special week in Faith Radio. I'll actually be on air a lot more than just um, the opening two hours of each day. So, you know, (laughs) I mean, you know, if you like me. Um, Next week will be a fun week because uh, it's not just two hours in the morning. It's hours throughout the day and uh, and it's a kick, and we love we love doing it. All right, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. This is from the New Living Translation. For God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only God's grace. Uh, it is only 
it is only God's grace that you have been saved. Now, I feel like there should be a word by in there. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, but it's not in there. It just says it's, it is only God's grace that you've been saved. So when you think about God and uh, the things God is rich in, God is rich in mercy. And it is out of his mercy that, um, that he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he, um, he gave us new life when he raised Christ from the dead. If you're thinking to yourself, that sounds familiar, but not exactly like I'm thinking about it. Um, maybe you're thinking about it from the way Paul articulates the exact same thing in Romans chapter 5. So I commend Romans chapter 5 to you today as a wonderful um, complimentary text to today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Ephesians chapter 2. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Dave Burring is going to join us next. We're going to continue our conversation on the theme of this day and that day. How would God be teaching us to number our days today? What day is this in terms of the days that God has given you to live? And what are you going to do with this day? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Dave Buring is joining us again today. You can find him at lionshare.org. You ought to be listening um, to the Lionshare podcast and, and gathering resources for your walk of faith there as well. Dave, good morning. Good morning. I'm I'm kind of working out here doing the rise and shine hand motions. Do you know all the hand motions? I rise do know the hand motions. Oh, I totally love it. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. I'm I am, um, you know, I'm a grandma. And so, yeah. but I've been doing the rise and shine song, you know, since all the days I've been doing vacation Bible school, which is like feels like a yeah. hundred years now. And yeah. um, you know, there are a few songs out there that I used to be able to to really enthusiastically um uh do the one um Pharaoh Pharaoh. Yep. Are you familiar with that one? I yep. I can't remember all the verses like I used to be able to. And so I sometimes mess that song up. But Rise and Shine, man, I got that one down. I have that one what down about, cold. I could do it Pop- at the drop of a hat anytime with any group of people, wherever you might need that. I'm I'm your person. What about Father Abraham? Do you remember that, that one, know. Father? Father. Well, Abraham, yes, but I don't know that it has hand motions. Oh, it's got full body motions. Oh. I guess I'll have to disciple you on that one. Clearly, clearly, the next <laughs> time we're together in a group, this needs to be an activity. I'm just going to just go ahead and tee that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so let's talk. Um, we we are working um, working out over a theme here um mm-hmm. together and and it is the theme of this day and that day and we've been talking about this day today the day that the lord has given each of us um in light of that day that day being the day the lord returns um mm-hmm. the day that you know everything gets set right and so when when you think about this day and that day um, the times in which we live the the seasons of life you want to maybe just till this soil with me this morning Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, I uh, when I think of that theme, it it kicks me into something that I've learned over the years about trying to understand the season of life that we are in, like e- each individually, so that we can better cooperate with what God wants to do both in us and through our lives. And uh, it's something that I learned probably now, 
uh, I guess doing the math between 35 and, and or 25 and 30 years ago, and it has made a great uh, impact on my life. And, you know, if, if oftentimes we can wand, feel like we're wandering, okay, well, kind of hoping God leads and I'm kind of hoping that I figure out what he wants me to do. And I, and I just want to say that this is the day that he's made. And on this day, he wants us to understand what season of life we're in so we can better cooperate with him so he can change us and pour his life through us. So let's just talk about that. Where do you get this seasons of life idea? Yeah. So when you look at, at portions of scripture, um, you, for example, I think of um, Ephesians 5, uh, and it says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you begin to to recognize this. And, in, in, you know, Ecclesiastes tells us, you know, for everything, there's a season. And so, like, let me illustrate this. So think of a timeline with your birth being, you know, on the left end of it and your heaven going being on the right end of it. And you've got this line between the two. And the way that God has created us and made us, it's it's like there's these seasons of understanding. For example, I'll start with the first one. From birth to around your early, maybe even to mid-20s, is something called sovereign foundations. And it's you you didn't really pick your eye color. You didn't mm. pick, you know, where you were born. You didn't pick really what elementary school you were going to, what foods your family chooses to eat most of. You didn't you didn't pick that. But there are things during that season of life that are important for us. And particularly as we get past that age and you look back, you realize, oh, like for me, Carmen, one of the things that happened early in my season of life is is my dad and mom really responded to Jesus. And mm -hmm. so therefore, at around 12, 13 years of age, I responded to Jesus. Um, on a practical note, I I always wondered that when I get dropped into different situations because of my travel, not only in the United States, but in different parts of the world, why does there tend to be a fairly easy adjustment for me? And I, I realized because I lived in nine homes from when I was born until I graduated from high school and we moved, we lived in the States of California and Arizona and Minnesota. And, and I realized, Oh, some of that's kind of just been built into my life. And, and when we take a look at that season of life, which some of your listeners are in now, some of your listeners are thinking back to their past, you recognize God's hand in what he was doing in you. I love this, um, this sovereign foundations, um, like, I love that awareness. That is just so good. When we come back, we talked about a little bit what happens in that next season of life when we're in our 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. All right. We're talking about the seasons of life. We're talking about this day and that day with our friend Dave Buring from Lionshare. So what stage of life are you in? Do you recognize the sovereign foundations that God laid in your life? Uh, you know, from birth until you were a very young adult. Let's talk about that next season of life as we progress along our journey of discipleship. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. 
My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. That is uh, Paul Perot's contribution to the season's conversation as we approach the autumnal equinox. Mm-hmm. That's a word you, it's hard to say first thing in the morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're here with our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share. We're talking about this day and that day and the seasons of life as we develop as disciples over time. So, Dave, talk with us about um, what, you know our 20s and 30s as we're on our journey of discipleship, what is God doing um, in in us during that stage of life? Yeah, and it's an interesting stage. It's it's a stage where usually there's further studies in our life, like through college and university. It's first kind of full time job, and you know, pay, regular paycheck. It might be getting a home and getting married, having children. A lot of this happens in the twenties and thirties of our life. And during this phase, it's important to understand like, okay, all this action's happening in front of me, but what is God doing? Like, what is God doing during this season? And because he's actually building you to hit your stride later in life, it's important to pay more attention to what he's building in you than what he's doing through you when you're in your 20s and 30s. So in this phase, there's usually two primary things. One is character development, where Jesus is is putting you in positions and roles and in relationships in life to get at your character, to build faithfulness, to build integrity, to build honesty, to build consistency in life. Things that later, when he pushes bigger things through you, can sustain what it is that he's doing. And it's also this season of life, Carmen, where you get um, glimpses of your calling. It's like you you have those moments where you go, man, if I could choose just do this every day for the rest of my life, this would be awesome. And, and it's these little glimpses. It's not the full package. You don't see the whole thing. And you're certainly not close to hitting stride. But there are these glimpses. And it's God's way of, of kind of egging us on saying, keep coming. You're seeing it right. Keep coming. But let me keep building you so when that calling comes, it can contain what I want to push through your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I think that um, the world suggests that, you know, really in your 20s and 30s, that is the prime of life. That's when, you know, you're at peak season. Um, That's when, you know, you want to be producing your best fruit. What I hear you saying is, man, you're just like a little tender shoot at that point. That is a time of character development. Um, I might have glimpses of my calling, but I definitely am not, I'm not there yet in terms of um, my journey of discipleship or my usefulness um, in terms of God's kingdom advancement. That's actually really helpful because I think that sometimes we arrive at our, at our thirties or our forties and we're, 
and we're imagining that, you know, the best is now behind us. And yes. that's just not true. So can you talk with us about the season of our 30s and 40s? Yes, absolutely. And to punctuate what you're saying, when I uh, take some time and share this with that age group of 20s and 30s, it's interesting to me is you've got some, you know, um, hard chargers that are like, how can I go around this and get past it and get on? And But the majority of 20s and 30s, like I'd say 80% of them look at me and just, it's like a burden just lifted off their shoulders. And they're realizing, you mean, I don't have to be in my stride when I'm 37? No, you don't. All right. So 30s and 40s, like what, what happens in that 30s and 40s? So there's two pieces here. One is it's called unique methodologies. By the way, this is researched by a man by the name of Dr. Bobby Clinton. And and he found that in your 30s and 40s, one of the things that happens is unique methodologies are, de uh, are developed in your life. Like it, what that means is you find certain ways to do certain things and you're good at it. And there's God's grace on you in doing that. And so as you're passing through these times of life, it's like, okay, so let's say maybe you're in sales and you might realize that there's a certain methodology that you have found of building a good relationship and taking some time first, just sincerely with that person before you reveal to them the thing that you want them to purchase from you. And it's sincere. It's not just a schmooze fest. It's sincere. And you realize, and if I do this one-on-one, -on -one, I'm not as good in group settings, but let me do this one-on-one. -on -one. That's a unique methodology um, for moms at home. They might find a certain way that they raise their children or discipline their children or instruct their children. And people might be asking, like, how did you do this? And it's kind of a unique methodology that God gives you. And usually during your later 40s, there's a clearer sense of life purpose. It's no longer just glimpses of your calling. There's a clearer sense of life purpose. But that might not hit you till mid to late 40s or later. So we just keep being faithful with what God has in front of us and let him build in us what he wants to build. That's so good. Dave, we've only got a couple of minutes um, to cover these next two, mm -hmm. but this mm -hmm. um, 50s and 60s is really when we hit our stride. That's when we discover like our major role and there's this convergence that happens. This is where I am right now. Um, mm -hmm. Talk with us about, uh, about you know what God's doing in and through us in our 50s and 60s. Yeah, um, this is is oftentimes Bobby refers to it as you hit your major role. And and then as you land in your major role, again, not worrying about titles. Yes, titles can be used effectively to get things done, but it's not an identity thing. It's like, okay, God, what have you like like how do I fulfill the ultimate thing God's dreamed for me to do? Mm -hmm. And he puts you in a role to do that. And then once you're in that role, maybe a, a few years pass as you're kind of wearing that new coat, so to speak. And then you hit what he calls convergence. And this is my math equation, Carmen, for convergence. It's these three things, season tested character plus a mature understanding and use of your gifts plus a God-given sphere of influence. And when those three things kind of hit, it's like there's it's it's like you're in your stride and it's kind of like going down the river in an inner tube. You're just having to avoid some of the rocks and things that may be there in the water, but you're moving. And so 
it's it's like a, a bible illustration of this for me not not necessarily age-wise but season-wise would be you look at moses like moses hit his stride at 80 remember his life was divided into four or excuse me three sets of 40s first 40 years in egypt probably getting some of the best training available on the planet the next 40 years he's in the wilderness where god is shaping and remolding what he's learned into the, to his character and his ways he, he gives him a family and then there's the burning bush moment at 80 years of age where he really understands his calling so so do the math with me on this two-thirds of his life is preparation mm. for a third jesus is even more exaggerated right 10 elevenths if he lived to be 33 10 elevenths of his life was preparation and one of the men that discipled me, Lauren Cunningham, he told me as a young guy, he said, Dave, the broader the calling, the longer the preparation. And it helped me in my own journey to just stay where I needed to stay and let God do in me what he needed to do in my own life. And so that 50s and 60s, and usually I'm finding, Carmen, it's late 50s into your 60s with the age we're all living now that you find your stride. So you're right. You know, there should, should be some 50s and 60-year-olds today that are very encouraged, realizing, oh, my gosh, I didn't pass this 30 years ago. It's still right in front of me. That's just awesome. That's such an encouragement. Um, Dave, as always, thank you so much. We're going to leave you with these three questions. What season of life are you in? Um, what is God doing within you in this season of life? And what steps might you need to take? to more fully engage with God in this season. We're talking about this day and that day. So today we're talking about this season in light of God's kingdom advancement and his glory um, as we walk out our life of faith together. Dave, uh, thank you so much. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I live a life that is always going to be a battle to trust God and to walk by faith. One of the ways I do it is by what I listen to and things that challenge me to trust the Lord more and encourage me that those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. So that's why I listen to Faith Radio. I find that Faith Radio is really there to build my faith and to encourage me to hope in God. I started listening to it during COVID and it was such a source of encouragement I hope that this is a source of encouragement to you today to encourage one another. We walk with one another. We are one another's side-by-side courage, um, yoked together, each of us yoked to Christ, and that means that we're also yoked to each other. So um, maybe there's a portion of the burden that you're trying to shoulder that your brothers and sisters in Christ could, um, could encourage you in today. And likewise, maybe you're feeling particularly strong in your faith today and robust and and and, um, and vibrant and and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I could shoulder part of the load for a brother or sister in Christ today. That's what we do together here at Faith Radio. And so if you have a Faith Radio story to share, we'd love to hear it. We're coming up on our fall fundraiser and the more stories we have to share to encourage one another in our in our faith, the better. So you can go to myfaithradio.com and share your faith radio story today. We'd love to we'd love to hear that. Um, and if you need encouragement today, you know, the text line is always open. 
And so 877-933-2484, let us know how we can encourage you today in your walk of faith. This is a community of believers. It's the Faith Radio family. We mean that. Um, And so I want you to know that we're here for you and we're here for each other. And I want to thank you for for being here with me day in and day out, week in and week out. Um, We love what we do. And it's only made possible by gifts from friends like you. So um, thank you in advance uh, for considering your best gift during our Faith Radio fundraiser next week. And, you know, you don't have to wait to give. If you want to give today, you can do that. You text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. Our friend Adam Carrington is going to join us in just a moment. And we're going to talk about an observation that I don't think it's going to be difficult to make. Um, but it's very, very troubling because when we talk about evangelism, we we just imagine that you know the the gospel has been advancing from um, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, and so you know it, as people receive the gospel, the gospel takes root and the kingdom grows and it advances generation to generation, and and it never reverses course. But as we look around, we recognize that's just not true. Um, the gospel advanced to Western Europe and, and then eventually from Western Europe here to what we now call the United States of America. And and yet, secularism has really taken hold. And so there's some language for that, and it's the re-paganization or the re-paganizing of, um, of this land. And so we're going to talk about that. Where do you see evidence of the re-paganization of the places in which we live. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College is back with us this morning. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Well, I I am well. I am well. How are you today? Uh, doing well here. We're, we're right now into the thick of the semester, so things are kind of settling into a pattern and new good group of students. So, uh, yeah, li- li- life is good. I get to do something I love, so not going not gonna to complain about that. My sweet Eliana, I talked with her last night, and she, I said, what are you doing? And she says, well, I have three more paragraphs to go in a, you know, a five-paragraph assignment. And she said, you know, this would be easier if you could write five pages. <laughs> so she's learning. She's learning, right? This is her first semester um, of college. And she's learning that it's actually easier to say more than say less and say it well and get it all in there. So um, that, uh, uh, yeah, the learning process is real and it's ongoing. And so I'm super thankful for people like you that are shepherding the hearts and minds of the next generation. So thank you, sir. Oh, it's, it is an honor, believe me. We really look here at uh, our relationship with not just the student, but that it's we, we talk about it like uh, that it's a partnership with our parents or with their parents, I should say. And that partnership isn't they drop the child off and we do what we want. It really is. Um, they've really trained them up, brought them to us, put uh, them uh, in our care and we're trying to do the best we can with their their hearts, minds, and and selves uh, that 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 we can as well. So yeah, it really is an honor. Oh well, we could just talk about this subject, but let's jump into um, this content that you and I have have both read over. So you um, you shared this piece. It's from First Things. Are are we are? It's not a question. It's a statement. We are 
repaganizing. Now there's some there's a word for you. What what is a pagan culture? How do you judge a culture in terms of its paganness and how is it that we are repaganizing? Yeah, I thought it was both provocative and deeply interesting. Sometimes things aren't both. And uh, the woman who actually wrote it, it admits up front that she's not really doesn't consider herself a, a Christian or a believer, even though she's kind of interested. So this is not coming from a deeply committed Christian saying this. It's just someone who's who's observing the culture. And the definition that she starts with with uh, paganism is to say that we're not really moving toward secularism the way we tend to think of secularism, which is a kind of godlessness, as if we don't believe in anything uh, trans- in any anything supernatural or anything um, beyond ourselves, that it really is a kind of the new spirituality that seems to be in vogue among many that uh, it is really a kind of retrieval actually of the paganism that christianity seemed to have defeated um in in early western history you know dur- during the roman empire and into the medieval times and it particularly uh and and i'm going to add a little bit to i think what she said is uh she starts with a, a focus on the eminent the, the idea that, uh, that that I think really focuses on the working out of two episodes we see in Genesis. Uh, first is the fall, where Satan's temptation to Adam and Eve is, you shall be like gods. And I think the new spirituality tends to deify ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. either consciously or subtly. And therefore, it makes us an object of worship. Uh, I think the second um, example is the Tower of Babel, where I think people don't always see, but in many ways that tower uh, uh, is is its own first um, uh, a house of worship or object of worship, and that that's one of the reasons God is angry about it. Not that not that they could literally build a tower up to heaven, but that they are building their own kind of worship to to, to worship themselves. And I think what that what that undoes for Christianity is, uh, or undoes for a view that Christianity was providing is, it really takes away the image of God in man and makes man and makes God the image of man, not man the image of God, and it takes away. I think ultimately because she focuses on the spearhead of this is abortion, that abortion on demand and the way that we talk and think about abortion is really a kind of paganization because it glorifies human desire um it 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 diminishes uh weakness and and humility and 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 the least of these among us and that it really uh, uh does recreate the paganism something i wasn't as familiar with that is just horrifying that she talks about is one way they could find where ancient brothels were uh, and this is a little, you know, hard to say, but uh, brothels were as they would find the remains of 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 babies, uh, and that this idea of of young children being kind of sacrificed to sate the desires of strong men, uh, she says, is not anything new. It's really a recreation of the old pagan view. So I thought it was fairly compelling, and 
and really notes that people have never lost their spirituality, but their spirituality in some ways, many of them are moving from a God-centered one to a self-centered one, and that it really is a recreation of something we've seen before. So she um, she lands this conversation in um, in a place that I I have found myself interested in maybe expanding on. So if we recognize that um, God creates order and that there is this chaos hovering, right? And then there is this order brought, and that order is brought in what God um, describes as a garden, and we're planted there. And then, because of sin, we no longer get to live in the garden. Um, but it doesn't mean that we aren't still seeking to cultivate and uh, and and grow and um, flourish. We are just now do so in a in a place where we have to create our own clearing, where we have to seek to um, get a garden up in a place that is, you know, run wild, as she describes it as a forest. So, you know, what if, and this is, this is from this piece, what if we understand the Christian era as a clearing in a forest? The forest is paganism, dark, wild, vigorous, and menacing. It's also magical in its own way. So for 2,000 years, Christians pushed the forest back, burning and hacking, also pruning and cultivating, creating a garden in the clearing with a view upward to heaven. Um, but uh, paganism, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't give up. It, it's not as it, it's, it, and so the forest has like re-encroached upon the garden. Um, and, and so she says then with no, no one left to tend the garden, uh, the forest is simply reclaiming its ground. That is a that is a powerful image, I think, and uh, and imagery, and it also helps me sort of see the the way in which being a Christian has changed. I think that's that's one of the hardest things, Adam, is for people who they do remember a day and time when it was it was seemingly easier to be a Christian. There were more um, there were more places and spaces in the culture where it felt like your Christianity was consistent with the systems around you and the conversations. And now it's just really foreign. Um, so I don't know, does any of that resonate? Am I, am I getting what she's saying? Uh, I think so. And I think that metaphor is a powerful corrective to how we've tended to think because she says the other metaphor is the idea of Christianity as water. And, and it's not that all the ways she mentioned that, Christianity can be seen as water with baptism cleansing and putting out fire, uh, you know, other things uh, isn't true in its way. Um, but I think that the, the, the forest metaphor does articulate that um, we are the church militant, not the church triumphant, <laughs> meaning mm. we are the church that is embattled and battling uh, for the glory of God and the souls of 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 um, of, of those around us, and that it is not a battle without opposition, either opposition within our own hearts or opposition from uh, the the world and the devil, right? Um, and uh, I, I think that that view of it uh, is helpful because it means constant diligence. It means there can be setbacks. Uh, and it means that at some point we 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 long for 
um, is there a moment where the garden, you know, is is recreated, not just um, you know fought for, but recreated and and per, and per, you know the permanent good city comes, and I think that's uh, what we can look forward to in the new heavens and the new earth. But I think for now that that idea of the forest is helpful because I've heard other people compare it to a garden internally as if all we're doing is really weed eating, you know, pulling out mm. the weeds. And I think that could have been what you're another way of what you're describing. We, we, we felt like we were just pulling out the weeds when they would pop up every once in a while of bad theology or bad practice or, you know, uh, mean spirited people. Um, and, and now, like you said, but a forest is when something bigger, harsher uh, tries to reclaim. And I think that is something that we're, facing in a certain way here and now and so yes i think that kind of embattled where there can be success but it is it is it is gained at cost it is gained with battling uh, uh for for the future i think that's all um uh, a helpful thing for us to be thinking as we enter the era that we seem to be entering our society is repaganate repaganizing uh it is a piece in first things that Adam Carrington and I have been discussing. If you want me to send you the link, I'm happy to do so. 877-933-2484. When we come back, we're going to talk about some things that Adam has been writing of late. Um, And one of those is faithful love. So let's just uh, talk about uh, faithful love, even um, even in the midst of terrible tragedy. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. You may not think of yourself as a courageous world changer, but you are. Sometimes fear rules the day and keeps us from identifying in these ways. But when you step out in faith and decide to take action in the moment, living this day in light of that day, in light of eternity, you change the world. Mornings with Carmen is part of listener-supported Faith Radio. This content is only available because of your support. The impact on people's lives, the reach around the world, it all happens because you stand up to make a difference. Now is your time, so take the next step and be bold by joining the support team. Click the link in the show notes or go to MyFaithRadio.com and make this day count for that day. So the year was 1963, and on September the 15th, Congregations across the country gathered uh, for Sunday worship, and at the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, which is a historic African-American church, um, it was Youth Day, and children were going to participate in leading the service of worship. Shortly before uh, 11 a.m., a bomb that had been planted by the KKK um, exploded uh, in a stairwell and Four young girls were killed. Um, Dr. Adam Carrington is here to talk with us about this particular anniversary um, and what we have learned, can learn, must learn um, from terrible tragedies like this. Yes, uh, and and it was so. It now is the or last Friday was the 60th anniversary of it, and obviously a lot was written, uh, is being written about that horrific tragedy and on one hand what a lot of people have focused on and i think rightly is the fact that this this bombing was uh, racially based racially motivated uh it was the kkk that did this and that it is part of the broader civil rights movement 
and the story that includes Martin Luther King Jr., but so many others across the country. But um, what I wanted to bring out as maybe a an additional angle is that this was done to a church. It was done to a congregation of believers, and that we see across the world uh, a rise in violence that isn't merely or, 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 or racial, but is particularly religiously focused. And that I even try to hint in there that the KKK's own attack in the end had was a rejection of Christianity uh, as much as, as as that group try, tried to align itself with, with, with that. Um, and that even in the United States, we've seen a rise in religious-based violence uh, against against uh, against uh, individuals and, and 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 churches and groups and so um, the the thing that I, I thought we could pull from that is thinking about um, how the idea of forgiveness that mm-hmm. the church that day the sermon that was going to be preached at that church was about love and forgiveness uh, never got to be preached because of of what happened. But uh, even then, they were thinking about forgiveness and love, uh, and uh, I tried to ponder a bit what an extraordinarily difficult act forgiveness is, real forgiveness, when real evil's been done to you or to those you love, and that it really is, I, I say in there, um, every act of real forgiveness is a miracle, and that it points back to the first miraculous forgiveness, which is that which you know God offers to us in Christ, uh, when we were still God's enemies, as Paul says in Romans five, um, Christ died for the ungodly, and I think that um, regardless of race, regardless of time period, regardless of of all that, believers have to know how to forgive, and in kind of piggybacking off what we were talking about last segment, in an era where maybe we might be sinned against in more overt and pernicious and and uh, outlandish even ways uh, as society seems to turn against us more and more and seems to be less hospitable to Christianity, might uh, we even need to be thinking harder about what it means to love our enemies and forgive those who might persecute us in certain ways or at least make our lives uncomfortable. And that if, if this uh, if this example can be an example of that, then we might have something to learn ourselves going into the future. Chris Chris Singleton is one of the people that God brought to mind as um, you know, as reading what you wrote and then reflecting on this. Um, Chris's mother was one of the victims in the Charleston church shooting. Um, Dylan Roof taking the lives of. Christians with whom he had sat uh, during a Bible study in the basement of their church. Um, and Chris Singleton's ministry now, you know, is in public schools around the country. And he just, he talks so eloquently and beautifully and personally um, about the things that hate seeks to take away, um, but the but the gift that forgiveness brings and um, and does specifically talk about forgiveness as the um, as the antidote um, for hate, and because he's African American and because he's a Christian, he he does so in a way that's just magnificently beautiful. Um, but he, the Lord brought him to mind as I was reading what you were reflecting on here. Um, I do think that 
forgiveness is something that we as Christians can uniquely bring to the conversations of the day, and we we ought not hesitate to do it. We ought to cultivate an ability um, and a comfort talking about forgiveness that we have received and that we are then in turn called to demonstrate in our relationships with others as the antidote to hate in the culture today. Absolutely. And I think in this, it's not, and I tried to stress this in the piece too, that we reject the the pursuit of justice, mm-hmm. uh, the need to protect the innocent and, and uh, to, to help those in need. And, you know, uh, but um, it, it, at the same time, we we do need to forgive and we do need that that can be a kind of revolutionary thing uh that that changes not just individuals but relationships and even societies um you know the question of how societies forgive each other and not just individuals i think is is part of this and in a world that's imperfect uh, even our politics needs forgiveness because mm. how can we stay in relationship with each other as imperfect beings if we demand perfection of each other? Uh, you know, justice, yes, but uh, mercy and grace needs to temper and be uh, joined to justice. And we see no better example of that than the cross. Amen. Amen. Um Adam Carrington has a number of really good and rich opinion pieces posted at World Magazine. You can find those at WNG, that's for World News Group, WNG.org. I particularly appreciated A World Turned Upside Down, the piece you wrote on the Massachusetts policy on foster parenting. Um, That was really, really um, informative and fantastic. So, Adam, as always, thank you so much for joining us and for what you're doing day in and day out. It's an honor and pleasure, and thank you for for all all that you do, as you all uh, really give a forum where these things can be discussed, and and I think the body of Christ build up that way. Thank you so much. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It's Monday, 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 Monday. Um, It's also um, the day the Lord has made. So encouraging you to rejoice and be glad in it. What is one, one thing you can rejoice in today? One, just in this moment right now, one thing you can rejoice in. And if you're saying to yourself, I have nothing to rejoice in, um, I want you to just consider the breath you just took. God is closer to you than your next breath. That is worthy of reflection and rejoicing. I am loving uh, my sister Susie Larson's book on this topic. I hope you are engaged um, in it as well. God is so close. He's so near. Um, It's worthy to rejoice in that. Even if, as you survey the circumstances of your life, you say, I have nothing to rejoice in. You can rejoice in the Lord. Um, He is worthy. He is present. He cares. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He is a good, good father. We have another hour together up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.